everybody, and for the final time this year, Neil and myself, it is the Stochastic NFL Tournament Strategy Show. So throughout the course of the regular season, Neil and I would sit here on Saturdays. We go over all of our favorite tournament plays, position by position for Sundays. We talk about our favorite stacks, our favorite strategies overall for tournaments. And for today, it's the final time of the year, and it's going to be a little bit different because it's only a one-game slate. But still, we're going to be talking about showdown contests for DraftKings, single-game contests for FanDuel, and just breaking down some of our favorite strategies for tomorrow's Super Bowl. As you guys come in, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and also shout-out to PrizePix, who is the sponsor of our show today. And if you guys haven't signed up at PrizePix yet, when you do for the first time, you're going to get up to a $100 bonus on your first deposit, and you're going to get one free month of Stochastic Plus Platinum. So this is going to include all the tools that you need to build winning Super Bowl showdown lineups. But in addition, football season's ending. If you've been looking to dip your toes into the waters of other sports, we've got basically every single DFS sport covered, projections, ownership projections, and tools to help you identify who some of the best plays are on this league, just relative to that ownership, leverage scores, and whatnot. So if you want to get access to all of that for free, just sign up at PrizePix using the link that we have below. Uh, but Neil, it's Super Bowl time. I know you're excited. I know Mike's super excited. He's the biggest Chiefs fan I know. But uh, for you, Neil, how are you feeling about the Super Bowl tomorrow? Do you, do you have a, a side you're leaning towards? Uh, I Honestly, it's really hard for me because I, like like everybody in the country, I think most Eagles fans are assholes. And they were assholes uh, when they played the Vikings in the playoffs a couple of years back. Uh, so it's really hard for me to want to cheer for the Eagles. But then like a couple of our coworkers are huge Eagles fans. Some of my best friends are actually... Uh, a lot, a lot of people from my law school weirdly are from Pennsylvania and, and from the Philly area. So a lot of my best friends are huge Eagles fans. And, you know, I kind of want to cheer for the Eagles on their behalf. I did the last time the, the Nick Foles Super Bowl I was cheering for the Eagles. So it's really tough for me. Like I, I want to cheer against most uh, Eagles fans, but then all of the Eagles fans that I actually know personally, I really like. So it's hard for me to really know, want to know who to cheer for here. How about what you? What law school did you go to where it was full of people from Philadelphia? University of Minnesota. It was the weirdest thing. Like I, I, was, I went to University of Minnesota, and and so we were put in sections, five different sections, um, of like fifty people each, and like we had like five people from Pennsylvania in my fifty-person section, uh, one year of law school. So pretty nuts. All right. I mean, just I mean, people from Philly. I would have guessed you went to like the University of Phoenix of Law online or something like that. Like some <laughs> right. some real like like where how do these idiots get into law school? Like no yeah, offense. Yeah, exactly. to no, no offense to Mike, but this is not this is not law school material. This is it's not Waffy's not law school material. <laughs> no, no, these, these guys. No, no, no. These are these are you know blue collar workers, not people I'd expect to be going to to law school or anything like that. But I mean, there's nobody that I'd rather be doing a showdown slate with than you, Neil, because Neil is somebody who uh, has been super successful in the showdown streets for many years now. He's had a number of big wins in showdown contests, so uh, I think very very valuable resource to talk to Neil about this, and then also. If you guys want to check out the other content that Neil has, he's got his articles that he's writing for it. And then what are some of the uh, the VODs you're doing too? The short videos that go up on YouTube? Because those, tell people about those. They're also very valuable. Yeah, so just my regular uh, videos on demand about how I'm setting up my fantasy cruncher. So I kind of show um, my process. And, and I really do show like the actual process that I use. I don't go through all the way. So I start by just showing you, you know, how I set groups and stuff. So essentially I set groups to uh, make, correlations make good correlate make, make sure that you know if i have a quarterback in the captain spot i've got them correlated with uh receivers in the flex that kind of stuff so just uh making groups to optimize my correlation and then showing kind of the settings that i use to avoid some duplication in the uh advanced options tab of fantasy cruncher and then i just kind of show my process of okay then after you do that i look at the actual lineups that i get and assess is this a good lineup do i need to do something more with the correlations to make sure that i actually do like the lineups that come out and then i look at uh, the, the player exposures that I get and what I uh, do to change the player exposures to get to, you know, how much I want of like Jarek McKinnon, like my, my first run, I know that I did, I did my DraftKings one. I say first run I got, I think I got actually zero running backs total. <laughs> so like just oh, wow. based on, just based on their projections, I was getting zero running backs. So then you gotta, you know, give a thumbs up, maybe change the projection, which is what I do. I change the projection a little bit until I get to exposure levels that I like. So I just kind of go through my general process for setting up fantasy cruncher for uh showdown and, and you know in, in the in doing so if you're not using fantasy cruncher i do also explain why i'm doing what i'm doing so you can also if you're not using an optimizer you can still probably get some use out of it yeah and uh, i mean by the way yeah neil does have a background in law school Virga. optimal prime said i heard that Lafayette passed the bar without studying i mean in fairness though when when Lafayette heard 
when he when he was asked if he could take the bar exam, like he did shots of tequila for a week. Like that was like he didn't really understand what it was that was going on. So it's, it's also I have to imagine in Pennsylvania, the pass rate is like ninety nine point nine percent because it's like a kindergartner's kind of kind of test there. Yeah, it's like, can you color in the lines? Like, boy, this is a way different test than I took at, at my school. It's all different depending where you're from. There's different, you know, because it's graded on a curve. So totally, totally different. But we got the Super Bowl to talk about here as well. And I want to start by talking about the quarterbacks. And it's funny because typically when you and I do the show over the course of the season, Neil, quarterback is the least important position we talk about because so much of the quarterback is relative to which wide receivers we like, which game stacks we like. Uh, all that kind of goes out the window on a one-game slate, and the quarterbacks do become much more important and the most rostered players on these slates. So, for instance, if you look at the FanDuel ownership right now for Jalen Hurts and Patrick Holmes, Jalen Hurts is projected for 23% captain ownership and then 57% flex ownership. So you're talking about Jalen Hurts being 80% owned on FanDuel, Patrick Holmes around 60%, and then over on DraftKings, we've got Jalen Hurts projected for... Uh, 57% ownership in utility, 17% in the captain spot, and Mahomes 11% ownership in the captain spot, and then 49% utility. So the two most rostered players on the entire game are the quarterbacks. I just want to know, like, how much do you find it necessary to play the quarterbacks, and how much are you willing to get away from them in some lineups? Yeah, so I'm going to be playing a lot of the quarterbacks. I Honestly, I think there's a pretty good chance that I am going to be above the field on Jalen Hurts. Uh, just running through my lineups, you know, uh, I'll, I'm not going to have him in every lineup, I don't think. But uh, using, you know, across both MV, uh, captain spot and utility spot, I'm going to have probably more than the field uh, on Jalen Hurts. And, you know, you look at our, our single game tool, which I think is always a useful resource in deciding how much I want of these guys. He actually has positive leverage, as you said. 16.5% captain ownership, uh, 57% utility ownership. But then we've got him optimal in the captain spot, 18% of the time, utility spot, 63% of the time. So he actually has positive leverage. Uh, and, you know, I'm not usually going to be inclined to get away from the quarterbacks anyway. So, uh, yeah, I'm probably going to be above the field on Jalen Hurts. I probably will cut back enough so that I don't have him in every single lineup. Um, but I'm still going to have quite a bit of Jalen Hurts and, and Patrick Mahomes. Same thing. We've also got positive leverage there. He's projected for 11% captain ownership, uh, 49% utility ownership, and then he's optimal 10% of the time in the captain spot. So a little bit of negative leverage there, but then 54% of the time in the utility spot. Um, I imagine I'll be above the field on Patrick Mahomes. I, I, I typically am. I also, um, you know, the, the way that I set up my groups where I'm giving boost to pass catchers in lineups with the quarterback at the captain spot naturally leads to more captain quarterback lineups. And I, I set a cap on it, but like I basically usually get to the max. I, if I set a 20% cap on players in the captain spot, because I'm giving boost to wide receivers in lineups where I have the quarterback in the captain spot, I end up getting 20% uh, of each of the quarterbacks just because they're, those are going to be my best projected lineups because they're the ones that are giving boost to receivers. Um, and I honestly, I'm generally okay with that. You can give a thumbs down if you need to, but typically uh, with these quarterbacks in particular, I'm probably going to have uh 20% of each in the captain spot. And then I would guess something like, you know, 65% uh, Jalen Hurts in the util and maybe 45% Mahomes, something like that. And then let's just say you were playing one lineup, though, and, and you had to choose between the two. And I have a feeling because just the way you, you talked about Jalen Hurts would be your preference. But if you were building one lineup and, and could only roster one of the quarterbacks, would your choice be Jalen Hurts then? My choice would be Jalen Hurts. Um yeah, there, there are downsides to it in that I feel like Patrick Mahomes has more interesting options to pair him with, like low-owned options uh, with all of the different wide receivers and running backs. Jalen Hurts is like, you really like A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, Dallas Goddard, and then it's like, maybe I'll try Quez Watkins or Zach Pascal, and you can't, you know, the, the running backs aren't as good of a pair for Jalen Hurts, so there are downsides to it, but uh, you also don't really need to pair Jalen Hurts with anybody. He does so much of his damage on the ground, rushed for over 50 yards per game this year, added 13 rushing touchdowns in 15 games. Like, he's just, he adds so much value on the ground that you don't even necessarily need to pair him with anybody. So I think, uh, yeah, if I'm making one lineup, Jalen Hurts is going to be the guy. And we've got an interesting strategy question in the YouTube chat from St. Stephen 68 and by the way, St. Stevens in my Discord channel, actually all of our betting Discord channel, he's one of the most uh, frequent posters in there. So uh, St. Stephen, th thank you for watching this show and supporting us as well. And by the way, anybody else like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. It does help us out a whole bunch. Uh, but St. Stephen is saying uh, if we could, he wants us to rank these three strategies for getting different. 
And also just, I mean, we, we've got a lot of liberty with how we want to run this show here. Number one, I'm hosting it. I can kind of do whatever I want. But then also, it, it's a one-game slate, and it's not like we're really pressed for time. We're not up against Locke, and there's no show on right after us or anything. But Steven wants to know, what are these three strategies for getting different? How do you rank them? Playing low-owned players, leaving money on the table, and then unusual lineup construction. So for me, I would say playing low-owned players, one, for showdown contest, leaving money on the table two, and then unusual lineup construction. I'm going to say three, depending what you mean by unusual lineup construction. You could say playing low on players, leaving money on the table in itself would also be unusual lineup constructions, but I'm taking that more to mean like weird uncorrelated players. And I still think you want to have some sort of correlations in your lineups, like quarterbacks. You still want them to be with, with uh, pass catchers. So I would say playing low on players, one, leaving money on the table two, unusual lineup construction, three, uh, now, with that said, though, uh, I I do think that playing low-owned players and leaving money on the table are both fairly pivotal uh, strategies for for showdown contests. But what do you make of those three different things that he mentioned there, Neil? Yeah, that, that is a very interest, interesting question and one that, honestly, I haven't given a lot of thought to. I'll say this. I'm always leaving money on the table in large-field GPPs, so I guess maybe that would be my number one just because the other ones, you know, I, I might have a lineup that leaves $1,500 on the table but uses a lot of, like, every piece is fairly chalky, like over, you know, 10 15% owned. So um, so I might have some lineups where I'm not using any really low-owned players. I'm just getting different by leaving a lot of salary on the table. So I might put that number one just because it's the one thing that I know that I do in every single lineup is lose some money on the table and that's just for the largest field gpps of course um but i yeah i think that it's uh, i mean honestly they're all fairly important ways to get different so i i do like your answer of uh you know using low owned players that is something that i i'm definitely like i'm almost always if a player is low owned and i or lower owned than i think they should be i'm gonna be really playing a lot of those low owned players um so that is definitely a huge part of my process. Uh, and then unusual lineup construction. Yeah, it, it depends on what you mean. But I, I think he means like uh, using two running backs from the same team. That's an example that I like to give of like, that's something not a lot of people want to do. Both uh, Kenneth Gainwell and Miles Sanders uh, play in, in the same lineup. I, I like doing stuff like that to get to, or, or playing another great example is uh, quarterback a captain with the opposing defense in the flex, for example, is something that is an unusual lineup construction. Not a lot of people want to do it. There's a little bit of negative correlation there, but I, I love those kinds of lineups. Um, so it's really hard for me to rank them. I kind of think that they're all uh, really great ways to get different. Um, but, you know, if you're, I, I do think that if you're using a uh, 10%, 10% owned player, in a lineup that uses 50,000 salary and he's your only low owned player, you're still going to be duplicated quite a bit. So I, I guess I would, I would probably rank it leaving salary on the table, uh, low owned players, and then unusual lineup construction. But you know, they're, they're all very uh, great ways to get different. And for me, and uh, I'm not, I'm not quite as avid of a showdown player as Neil, but with that said, very few people are, but when I am 150 maxing, uh, particularly on FanDuel, I very rarely will even allow myself to enter lineups that use all the salary just because it's almost always going to be something that's heavily duped. So uh, I'll often set rules in fantasy cards that don't even let me make lineups with the full salary. Like I was making my MMA lineups before. I'm doing MMA Live before lock. I'm hosting later. And I was kind of screwing around with some of the lineups and going through different constructions and whatnot. And I don't think I'm going to be playing any lineups that use all the salary for that and be the same way with some of the showdown contests. But even then, when I build out a bunch of lineups in Fantasy Cruncher, even then for Showdown, I'm usually sorting them by the amount of salary used and then just trying to pick off some of the ones that are projected to be really chalky, use close to the full amount of salary, just because you know those lineups are going to be really heavily duped, and that just makes them less plus EV than, than some other lineups. So I'm always very cognizant of the amount of salary that's being left on the table. Now, as for the ownership part of it, well, we can't really get different at the quarterback position because they're both really popular. Don't go play any backup quarterbacks. I know people think they're being clever by doing that. Don't go do that in the Super Bowl. Very unlikely we're going to see Jalen Hurts or Patrick Mahomes end up on the bench in favor of the backup quarterbacks. But where we could finally start to get different, Neil, is by looking at some of the running backs in this game. And like you said before, in your initial builds, you weren't really playing very much of the running backs. So I'm wondering now, as you've gotten a little bit closer to the Super Bowl, you're looking at it, at it a little more. Do you have a favorite running back from this game to get to? Or do you overall just think none of them are great targets? So I want to be clear. I, I was getting no running backs, not of my own, not by a choice of myself. It was just when I still had the projection that like none of the running backs project extremely well point per dollar. So just running my first crunch before I'd make any adjustments, I was not getting to the running backs. It's not because I don't think that they are interesting plays. Uh, if I had to play one, probably the one that I like the best 
is Miles Sanders. I mean, we've only got a projected for 14% ownership. He's got a great matchup with the chiefs. Uh, and you know, I, I kind of, uh, with the, uh, yeah, with the chiefs, uh, I kind of suspect Kenneth Gainwell is going to get a little bit more ownership than we haven't projected for. We've got him projected for 9.4% ownership. Honestly, if he does come in at 9.4% ownership, I would like Kenneth Gainwell quite a bit. Also, I just, I, I have a suspicion that he's going to be, you know, 20% plus owned, at least like 15% owned, just because of how good he's been in the playoffs, like both games of the playoffs so far, Kenneth Gainwell has been uh, good. So I kind of suspect that he's going to get more than 9.4% ownership. If he does come in at 9.4% ownership, I would love him. Um, but so yeah, the, the I think the running back who I'm going to have the most of is going to be Miles Sanders. Uh, I also do like Boston Scott quite a bit just because we've got him projected for 4% ownership. And I think it's more realistic with Boston Scott. Like he had the one touchdown in the last game, but he just hasn't had the same kind of output as Kenneth Gainwell in the playoffs overall. And I think he kind of gets, uh, he you know, he's, older he's not as exciting as Kenneth Gainwell Kenneth Gainwell still has a little bit of that uh newer player shine I mean what was this his third year I don't know how how long he's been in the league but uh it's been a little bit now but he's still got uh some of that new player shine whereas Boston Scott been around a long time not that exciting but I think that both of them are very live to vulture a touchdown um just get some run uh obviously if it is a blowout maybe they get a little bit more run as well um so you know they're they're all interested in their own way, but Miles Sanders is the the running back on the slate. I would expect I'm going to have the most of, uh, honestly, followed maybe by Boston Scott, just because I like that leverage so much. It's just because I think that four percent owned is just too low on Boston Scott. Actually, uh, an interesting point. I should look it up in the uh, our actual tools to see what we think of Boston Scott. Um, because sometimes they don't always line up exactly. Yeah, we actually have them over-owned, four uh, percent ownership, one percent chance of being optimal. I think that that's a, a fragile uh, projection there. Like I, I just think that I, I like Boston Scott more than our tools do, just because I know he has the ability to score a touchdown, to vulture a touchdown any given game. So um, yeah, I'm gonna have interest there at four percent ownership. Uh, the Chiefs side uh, definitely tougher. I mean Isaiah Pacheco has certainly been taking on a bigger role. Um, he has been targeted seven times. I think he was targeted six times in the last game, which is not his usual role. Like I think we, we usually think of Jarek McKinnon as the pass catching back. Isaiah Pacheco is just a straight rusher. And they've been saying throughout the year, like we want to get uh, Pacheco more involved in the passing game. Like he is capable of catching balls. So we'd like to throw uh, more to Pacheco, but this is really the, you know, they, they haven't done it a, a lot throughout the year, but then the last game, I think he had, six targets, something like that. Um, so, I mean, if he is going to be in that role, then he's obviously going to be a great play at 19.5% ownership. I suspect it's just a small sample size that it, that's just kind of how things went in that game. And Jarek McKinnon will take on a bigger role this week than he did last week. Um, yeah. Well, how, how are you feeling about the running backs? It's tough. And I know it's something that even in the regular season, you and I were going back and forth the regular season towards the tail end of the playoffs about, how to stack up Patrick Mahomes. Something that came up as a really uh, frequent talking point for us is that, you know, Jarek McKinnon, somebody who's been a really frequent red zone target of, of Patrick Mahomes. And it seems like this is a team that even creates plays specifically to have extra red zone packages just for Jarek McKinnon. So there's two guys that I think like high volume DFS players could potentially uh, tilt very heavily this weekend. That I could see people freaking out about touchdown luck about. Both of them are on the Chiefs. One is Jarek McKinnon. And one is Kadarius Tony, because I do think that it's really hard to project these players from this standpoint, especially the way a lot of people are projecting players. And we'll look at touchdowns being, well, it's just, it's hard to predict. They're just luck-based metrics, uh, you know, just luck-based in terms of whether somebody scores a touchdown or not. But based on what I've seen out of the Chiefs, they are more apt to use guys like Jarek McKinnon and guys like Kadarius Tony in the red zone. We've just seen that a lot over yeah. the last month. They create plays specifically for these guys when they get down to that part of the field. So now here is what I think. For different reasons, I like Jarek McKinnon more than Isaiah Pacheco. On DraftKings, I like that he gets the PPR bonus. He's more involved in the red zone than we see out of Isaiah Pacheco. He's more involved in the passing game than we see out of Pacheco. On FanDuel, we have Jarek McKinnon is $1,000 cheaper but then also the touchdown becomes a lot more relevant on FanDuel where we see the, you know, the half point PPR bonus and whatnot. So I like McKinnon more than Pacheco for each of those different reasons on FanDuel and DraftKings. DraftKings, we do get the PPR bonus, but then on FanDuel, I think that we're more likely to see the touchdown being scored from Jarek McKinnon. Now, with that said, uh, there's a whole lot of variance from McKinnon. He definitely is touchdown dependent, 
But from what I've seen out of the Chiefs, I think they do make it a point to get McKinnon the ball once they get down into the red zone. He's on the field more often than Pacheco once you get inside like that 10-yard line. So uh, McKinnon, to me, as far as an upside play, I prefer to Pacheco. I think Pacheco has a higher floor because he's going to be on the field more often. But I think McKinnon's more likely to score a touchdown. So uh, McKinnon, as far as tournaments go, is going to be my lean for the Chiefs. Yeah, and I, th- I think that that uh, is yeah, perfectly great analysis. Uh, yeah, we uh, it's it's just so hard to predict. Like, I it for me, it really comes down to ownership, right? Like, I mean, I I assume that's true for you as well. If we had Jarek McKinnon yeah. at forty percent ownership, you probably wouldn't have as much interest. Um, yeah, it, it's tough. We we've got them projected for pretty similar ownership. Jarek McKinnon twenty three percent, Isaiah Pacheco twenty percent. Uh, I honestly can't say that I have a very strong lean here. I, I think that they're both fine, but I think that most likely I'm going to be under the field on both of them. But I think that they're both totally fine plays. Um, we also I, I got to bring up. Clyde Edwards Alaire. Mm-hmm. Uh he's he's another he's a wild card. I mean, I I wrote him up in my article as somebody that's like, there's a very good chance he doesn't see the field. It also would not shock me to see them bring him in at if they have the ball at the two yard line, they're just trying to score a touchdown. It wouldn't shock me to see them bring in Elaire. Uh he, you know, kind of had that role early in the year. It's tough because he had been losing favor even before he was hurt. I mean, you just look through uh his game log prior to getting hurt. He had uh in week eleven, two rushes, zero targets uh in week 10 he had zero rushes zero, uh two targets week nine four rushes two targets like he's just not all that he had not been all that involved in the game plan but they usually they, they've when he's healthy they have always at least kept him somewhat involved in the game plan and i know a lot of people are now saying well they've had so much success with uh pacheco and mckinnon like why would they even play ceh at all and i think that's a valid point like they have they've been just crushing Every team, uh, he's been, they've been great without Clyde Rizalera. They don't really have any incentive to use him, but uh, they're the Chiefs. I think they, they just, they get a lot of mouths involved. They're, they're using a lot of players. They're using multiple, they've got Travis Kelsey. They're still using Jody Fortson and, and Noah Gray. Yeah. And they just, you know, they, they, I don't know. I don't know why they make the decisions they make, but they like to use, get a lot of players involved. So uh, I still think that Isaiah, or I still think Clyde Rizalera is fairly likely to see the field at least a handful of times. And if one of them is in the red zone, it wouldn't shock me. So uh, at what we, we've got him project for under 3% ownership. I honestly, I think I'm going to be above the field on Clyde Edwards Alaire as well. Uh, not, not by a ton. Like I'm not, he's not a high confidence play. I don't think he's going to get like 10 carries or something like that. Uh, but I think that he is live to score a touchdown and that might be enough uh, for a 1000 salary player that will allow you to get in your, Kelsey's, your Mahomes, your Hurts, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I do have some interest there. Do you, do you think that Clyde Rizalair sees the field at all? Do you think you'll play him at all? I don't think so. My feeling is that he's just there for emergency. Like if somebody gets hurt, I think they would throw him in. Uh, I think the other thing that helps too is just the wide receivers are healthier for the Chiefs. And maybe they just felt like, hey, we don't need to have eight wide receivers active on a roster. So let's just get another running back. They've basically only been playing you know, Pacheco and McKinnon. I think he just takes the Ronald Jones role. Whatever you guys thought of Ronald Jones the last few weeks, I think that's probably what you should think of CEH. Yeah, that's, I think that's a, a fair take as well, um, which what, I think Ronald Jones had a couple care. Like I'm not playing Ronald Jones here uh, to be clear or Melvin Gordon. Uh, I think that Ronald Jones had a couple looks last week, as I recall, or in their last game, as I recall. I think um, he had one carry. That and might've be been it, on the, yeah. yeah. Let me, let me double check that. I'm just going off memory because and, and me too. Who, me too. Me, I haven't me, actually looked at yeah. it because I'm not planning on playing him. Memory is very fragile. We're talking about what Ronald Jones did two weeks ago. It's not <laughs> exactly like this is not exactly foolproof here or anything, but hold up. Yeah. Ronald Jones had the uh, illustrious stat line against the Bengals of one carry for zero yards. Yeah. Crushing quite, it. Yeah. Quite the stat line he had there. So uh, that was Ronald Jones's output as a uh, low owned value play in that game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, yeah, it's it's going to be hard for me to get behind CEH, but certainly he's more viable on DraftKings than FanDuel. FanDuel, the min salary is different. Yeah. I can't consider CEH at sixty five hundred on FanDuel. Yeah, he's not even the min salary at sixty five hundred. Yeah, I would yeah. I'd be much more inclined to play him on DraftKings than FanDuel, and and it certainly is a thin play. He's also uh, to be clear, I don't think I would play CEH if I'm only playing ten lineups. He's somebody that I would play if I'm playing a one fifty set. Um, you know, a, a little bit above the field if the field's going to be at 2.6%, but I'm not like, I'm not playing 20% Clyde Edwards Zillaire. Yeah, he's uh, definitely a live to score zero to not even have an opportunity. So let's talk about the pass catches. This is where I really think we differentiate our lineups for this game because the running backs to me, even the best ones are kind of thin options. Like you said, when you were just running lineups based on projections, you hardly get to the running backs. 
And that's why I really think we should be focusing on the pass catchers. And by the way, we'll, we'll group the tight ends with the wide receivers and just do pass catchers as a whole in a second. But one other thing I wanted to point out about prize picks, who is the sponsor of our show today. If you guys are building out prize picks cards, first off, sign up using our, our link below because it's going to get to a hundred dollar bonus and one free month of stochastic plus platinum. But the over under for Patrick Mahomes passing yards, Neil, and I know that you're not somebody who's big on sports betting. It's not legal in your parts, but, I think you're going to have a strong take on this one. How do you feel about over under 0.5 passing yards for Patrick Mahomes? 0.5 passing yards. I feel like they changed that from what it was a couple of days ago. Um, yeah, that's a real toss up for me. I mean, with that, with that bum ankle, who knows if he's going to be able to get the ball out. Um, yeah, no, I, I take the over on 0.5. I thought it, 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 I thought it was 1000.5. Maybe I've been doing the, the read wrong. So uh, they, they, uh, they, they have, they have a couple ones. that are just no okay. brainers that they've yeah, been yeah. filtering in for different specials right now. The one they have, is over 0.5 passing yards for Patrick Holmes. But yeah, before they had over under 1,000 passing yards, yeah. but now it's 0.5. So if you guys are building out prize picks cards, just start with Patrick Holmes over 0.5 yards. It's a it's a free square to uh, start off your card over there. And then they have other ones too that are going to be discounted. Like one I saw earlier was uh, Jalen Hurts. His rushing yards have been discounted from over under 46.5 to over under 36.5. So just be on the lookout for those things that are being discounted. Lots of different promos going on around the Super Bowl. Now let's talk about the wide receivers, the tight ends. We'll group them all together because uh, a couple of reasons that I think we should be doing this. Number one is it's just easier to talk about them this way. And then also a lot of the tight ends in this game, like Travis Kelsey, for instance, I just kind of view him as a wide receiver that would typically yeah. have eligibility at a different position. And it just doesn't matter on a slate like this, where, you know, when you're talking about single game on FanDuel and showdown on DraftKings. It's, it's all together. Everybody's utility player and whatnot. So, Travis Kelsey is the most expensive pass catcher in this game by quite a wide margin, too. He's priced up right around the quarterback. So we've got yep. Travis Kelsey is $10,600 on DK. It's only $400 less expensive than Mahomes, only $600 less expensive than what we're seeing on, on Jalen Hurts. FanDuel, he's $14,000, so still the most expensive skill position player. How apt are you to spend up for Kelsey tomorrow when he's priced right around the quarterbacks and the opportunity cost of playing Kelsey probably means you're not able to get to both quarterbacks in that lineup. Yeah, it's tough. So I, uh, in my, in my latest run, I have 46% Kelsey in the, uh, flex. And I think I've got 20% in the, no, I've got 13% in the captain spot. Uh, I'm, man, I've been <laughs> for, for two years now, I feel like I've always been under on, uh, Kelsey, like he's just like one of those guys. Like, oh no, this is the week Big. that the receivers are gonna they're gonna score a touchdown instead of Kelsey, and it's always been wrong. Uh, I think that you kind of got to just. I'm getting to the point where I'm just trusting uh, the tools. Which uh, looking at the single game tool, we've got Kelsey projected for 15% captain ownership, 13% chance of being optimal, 44% util ownership, 48% chance of being optimal. I'm probably just gonna be right around the field. Like I'm just not gonna let Travis Kelsey decide my day. I think tomorrow. Um, it's it's hard it's hard to have a really strong take like he's just he's targeted so much like you you, I, you always think he's live to have a bad game but uh a bad game is just like eight receptions without scoring a touchdown like he's just like he, they, they use him so much that it's really hard for travis kelsey to truly fail which doesn't mean that he can't be you know do well enough and still not be optimal as we see just looking at the tools i mean we uh we've got him optimal 61 percent of the time which means that he's not optimal 39 percent of the time um yeah, I think uh, he, I'm, I'm not differentiating myself with Kelsey. I think that I'm probably going to be pretty close to the field there. How, how about you? Yeah, and one thing that's pretty interesting, too, is because there's a reason I talked about his price relative to Patrick Holmes is on DraftKings, because a lot of times I would look at this and I would think, like, why do I really want to go heavy on Travis Kelsey when the opportunity cost would probably mean that it's harder to get to, like, a Patrick Mahomes or a Jalen Hurts? But you mentioned relying on some of our data, our tools, our projections. We have Travis Kelsey and I'll do this for DraftKings and for FanDuel uh, next. Travis Kelsey, we have with a 21% chance to be the top scorer on the slate, Mahomes 19%. We have Travis Kelsey with a 13.2% chance to be the optimal captain in our simulations. Patrick Holmes at 9.6% on DraftKings. So we have Kelsey as being the higher ceiling play on DraftKings relative to higher odds of being the top scorer, higher odds of also being in that optimal lineup relative to his pricing and captain where he's going to be a little bit cheaper. But FanDuel... It is a little bit different because FanDuel, the top, the odds of him being the top scorer where there is not the the full PPR point, there I lean a lot stronger towards the quarterbacks because yep. then we have Travis Kelsey with a 12% chance to be the optimal captain over for FanDuel relative to 14% chance from Mahomes and the top scoring odds for Kelsey. 
are 12.4% on FanDuel, 26.9% for Patrick Holmes. So massive difference is being made by that PPR point bonus. So on DraftKings, I do prefer Kelsey. FanDuel, I'm going to find a little bit harder to get to him uh, just because of of the, the difference in our projections with the half-point PPR bonus. But yeah, if I'm paying up for any one skill position player, it's hard to not make a, a case for Travis Kelsey there. And he's also on a tier of his own if you just have the remaining salary left over. But then we go to the next tier of guys. And we've got A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith priced fairly closely together. A.J. Brown, 9200 on DK. Devontae Smith is 8600 If we go to FanDuel, 12500 for A.J. Brown, 11500 for Devontae Smith. These are the one and two wide receivers for the Eagles, Neil. Do you have a lean between the two of them? Honestly, I don't have a very strong... Like, I, I think that uh, it's gotten closer. Like, earlier in the year, it was pretty clearly A.J. Brown, the wide yeah. receiver one, Devontae Smith. You know, there was a pretty big gap there. I don't really think there's a huge gap here. Uh, if I if I can only play one, like if I've got the salary, uh, I mean, I guess I, I'm also often trying to leave salary on the table, so maybe that's uh, not true. But I think AJ Brown, like if you have to choose one, like I still think AJ Brown is likelier to hit than Devonte Smith. Um, but factoring in salaries that I like to leave money on the table, it is very close. And yeah, the tools aren't really leading me in one direction. We do have AJ Brown optimal in the captain spot. Uh, pretty a lot more than Devontae Smith. We've got A.J. Brown 9.2% optimal in the captain spot, Devontae Smith 6.9. So there's a little bit of a gap there. Um, but then in the UTIL, it's pretty pretty similar. We've got uh, Brown at 36%, Devontae Smith at 39%. So I guess I'd be a little bit more inclined to play A.J. Brown in the captain spot, a little bit more inclined to play Devontae Smith in the UTIL. Um, you know, it's I don't really have like the, our projections on the two of them are like they're within half a point of each other, I believe. We've got, uh, yeah, A.J. Brown at 17, no, 15.5, 15.88. We've got Devontae Smith at 15.27. So they're just so close in terms of projection. Um, I guess Devontae Smith probably slightly better point per dollar than, than uh, yeah, we've got, uh, yeah, slightly better point per dollar, but there's no huge difference there. Um, I don't have a, a very strong lean. Do, do you have a strong lean between these two? No, I think you said it fairly well, uh, at least relative to our projections, if you're looking for upside. A.J. Brown looks like the better captain play slash MVP option if you're playing on FanDuel, whereas in the utility spot, uh, Devontae Smith with the cheaper salary does look like the slightly better value play if you guys need to save the salary. So uh, different uses for the two different Eagles top receivers, but there is an Eagles pass catcher that I do have a very strong take on. I think arguably the player I'm going to be most overweight to the field to for the entire game is going to be Dallas Goddard. Goddard, particularly on DraftKings, He's just way underpriced at $6,400. He's had a great rapport this year with Jalen Hurts. He gets used in the red zone a whole bunch. There's multi-touchdown upside for him. He's just underpriced at $6,400. And one thing that's really difficult about once we get into you know the Super Bowl, number one, the teams are really good. And then also, we don't really see as much of the backups. Whereas you know if you're playing a week three Monday night football showdown contest, you're just going to be able to find some of these punt plays a little bit easier because you know, teams don't have to play their starters every single play. They don't have to play their stars on every single uh, snap. You're not going to get that quite as much on the Super Bowl where stars are taking plays off because it is the Super Bowl, right? There, There is nothing to save these guys for. So that's where I'm starting to look at like, okay, who are the players that I know are going to be on the field frequently that I also think have a lot of upside? And Goddard to me at $6,400 is underpriced and just under owned. He's projected for 32% ownership in the cap in the uh, utility spot. We have him optimal nearly 40% of the time. So he's massively positively leveraged in our tools. Uh, probably my favorite tournament play on the entire slate is Dallas Goddard. Is he somebody you're going to be looking to for salary savings a lot as well? Yeah, absolutely. And as you said, like I, I would expect a player who projects as well as he does point per dollar to be really highly owned. And that's just not what we're projecting. And, and Goddard is, uh, he's a target monster. He's been targeted uh the, the past four games six times last game five the game before that seven the game before that six the game before that he just like he's pretty consistently targeted uh, a good number of times and he actually projects better for us than any of the running backs and he's cheaper than any than uh pacheco mckinnon and miles sanders so you know he's he's uh, cheaper projects better just like looks like a, a phenomenal play and normally he might be a play that i might say okay if the field's going to be jamming him in because he's such a great point per dollar play then i'm going to get away but that's not what we're expecting we've got him as you said projected for 33 percent ownership uh at 33 percent ownership he just looks like a phenomenal play uh we've got positive leverage for goddard both in the captain spot and the util nine percent captain ownership 11 percent captain optimal 
33% Utah ownership, 39% Utah optimal. So yeah, I, I like Dallas Goddard quite a bit, both as a captain and in the Utah. I'm going to be above the field there. And the key is to just compare them to the players that are priced around him, which I know you did a little bit there, but like Dallas Goddard, somebody who I think is a higher ceiling and a higher floor than basically everybody projected around him. And the ownership doesn't really bear that out. It's not like he's crazy popular or anything like that, but MVS is $200 less expensive than him. Goddard's been way more consistent, been a better option than, than MVS over the course of the year. Then you got the players who are more expensive than him. Jarek McKinnon, Isaiah Pacheco. Like it's hard to know what to expect of the running back. So I like Dallas Goddard going to be playing a ton of him. And it uh, looks like we're on the same page with that. And then we start to get into some of these chiefs wide receivers and I'll just group them together because of where they're priced. But you know, we've got uh, MVS Marcus Valdez Scantling. Uh, then we got Juju Smith Schuster. We've got Kadarius Tony. So of these options for the chiefs, how are you going to be handling them? Because these are players that are priced, you know, fairly close to each other. Tony being a little bit less expensive. So I think they have different kinds of utility, but it's been so difficult to predict the chiefs pass catchers this year, because how many times this season, Neil, have we said, boy, Patrick Holmes looks really good in our projections. Who do we stack him with a wide receiver? And we spend, you know, five, six, seven minutes on a show going through all the different pass catching options to ultimately find out it's none of them that, that ended yeah. up being the option, but we don't really have a choice because it's a one game slate. We have to try to figure out who the best, who the best pass catchers are going to be. So but in terms of like these mid range wideouts for the chiefs, what are you going to be prioritizing in tournaments? Yeah, so to answer your question, it's 19 times, Greg, that's how many times <laughs> we talked about these chiefs receivers, who's going to be the guy. And then none of them are the guy. No, that's not true. I guess MVS, the last game was, was the guy. He had a great game. I'm sure there were a couple games in there where one of these guys did something, but man, it felt like they just let us down every single week. Uh, yeah. So it's hard for me just because our ownership projections are, um, you know, we have Juju at 26%, MVS at 16%, Kadarius Tony at 17%. I I don't feel strongly about it. I would lean, I would guess that MVS actually gets a little bit higher than that just because of the game he had last time and that Juju is a little bit lower just because he's had a string of pretty underwhelming games and just has not been all that involved recently. Uh, if the ownership does stay where it is right now, Juju at 26%, MVS at 16%, Kadarius Tony at 17%, it's about where I think it should be. So it's really hard for me to like really want to prioritize one of these guys. I do. I consider Juju to be the wide receiver one still for the Chiefs. He just, he runs the most routes of these guys. Uh, he's, I mean, he's just usually uh, the most involved of the pass catchers when he's healthy. So I still, I view Juju as the wide receiver one. I think Kadarius Tony, probably the one that I'm the second most interested in. Um, as he's, I mean, he's just, he's not on the field all that often, but it's insane how often he is targeted when he does run routes. Uh, just reading, uh, I wrote this in my article, he ran routes on 14 total plays in the Chiefs' first two playoff games. Of course, he left uh, the last game That's with great. an injury early, so he didn't, <laughs> didn't play a full game. But on 14 total routes run, uh, he was targeted nine times. Like that's just insane to be targeted nine times on 14 routes run. Like it's pretty clear that they want to use Kadarius Tony when they have him on the field. And as you said, they also use him frequently in the red zone. So even though he's not a guy who's out there as much as uh, a Juju or an MVS, I still have, I, I think that 17% feels about right for Kadarius Tony. Like he's just because of how often he is used when he's on the field. So it's hard for me to really take any strong stand just because I feel like the ownership is about where it should be on these guys. I still like uh, Juju the best. And actually, so I, I flip over to our single game tool here and we actually do have Juju a little bit under own both in the captain spot and the utility spot, which makes me feel good because that's kind of how I was leaning anyways. I want to play more Juju and I, and because I think that there's some chance that he comes in even lower own than we projected. So we haven't projected for 5.3% captain ownership, 5.7% chance to be an optimal. So slight positive leverage there, but then also 26% util ownership, uh, 31% util optimal. So a little bit of positive leverage on Juju. He'd probably be the first guy that I'd want uh, anyway. So I'm, I'm glad to see that our tools uh, are in line there with what I was thinking. And then MVS, we have a little bit over-owned, 1.4% uh, captain optimal, 1.3%, uh, sorry, 1.4% captain ownership, 1.3% optimal, 16% util ownership, 12.5% optimal. So MVS looking a little bit over-owned, which is kind of the way I was leading anyway. Uh, he's... You know, he's just been, he had such a great game last time out. And I, but I really think that was because he was the last man standing. We had Juju leave early. We had Miko Hardman leave early. We had Kadarius Tony leave. Like we did, he just, he was the last man standing of the yeah. usual Chiefs receivers. So he had a, a great game. And, and maybe they saw that and they think 
man, he had a great game. Let's give him the ball more. But I think most likely they go back to like, we know who MVS is. It's not like he's a rookie who came out of nowhere. Like they know who he is. He just happened to have one good game. Uh, and then Kadarius Tony looks like he's also about neutral a little bit uh, about what I was saying. 1.6% captain ownership, 2.1% optimal. So a little bit positive leverage there, but then uh, in the util 16.6% ownership, 16.7% optimal. So looks about right. Um, yeah. Do you, uh, how do you feel about these receivers? Yeah, so I'm with you. Juju's going to be my favorite. And by the way, I get people in the chat right now being like, well, Juju sucks. He had a massively underwhelming season. There is no doubt yeah. about it. Now, with that said, he's been priced down a ton at this point. He's now, like, he's basically at a value price point. So you got him at $5,600 over on DraftKings. FanDuel, he is 9000 So with that in mind, he's at a price now where it's not like you're looking for a big wide receiver one game out of him, right? If he gets... His, if he gets a game where it's like, hey, you know, eight targets for Juju, he catches six for 54 yards or something like that, that would be a great game relative to this contest. It would have sucked if it was, you know, a regular season slate where earlier in the year he was priced at like 6,500 or whatever as just a regular pass catcher on DraftKings. For this kind of game, though, I think the PPR and just the over amount, overall amount of volume we usually get to go to Juju should be good. And the other thing, too, is he's been overall for the course of the year still a much better fantasy option than MVS. And yeah. MVS is my least favorite because think of if we're thinking about this from like an NBA DFS type standpoint, the last game the Chiefs played, everybody got hurt at, at the wide receiver. Everybody was hurt by the end of the game. And MVS was just the only guy that Patrick Holmes had left to throw to really him and Sky Moore as far as wide receivers go. So what happens? He has a big game and now he's priced up for the Super Bowl, but now all the other wide receivers are coming back. So it's like the inverse of what we would look for in value. Right, We want guys who are in a better position because players are out. And what we don't want is somebody who's priced up because they just benefited from a bunch of guys being out, and now they're coming back. So MVS is my least favorite of those guys. And then I feel the safest with Juju. And then I just like the upside of Kadarius Tony because I do think he's so live to score a touchdown and how often he's going to be on the field. Now, I know people in chat are probably going to be saying, well, Tony got hurt last game. Tony gets hurt all the time. right? And, and if there's any point in time where we have the best chance of getting Tony relatively healthy it's after a, a multiple week layoff right I, I do think he's one of the players that benefits the most from the extra week off due to the super bowl uh yeah. due to being the super bowl and the, the week of media so i like Kadarius tony a lot as a tournament play hard to feel confident in him because he's Kadarius tony if he gets hurt on the fourth play of the game I'll be like of course Kadarius tony right. got hurt on the fourth play of the game but as, as far as the upside goes he's really cheap and he is obvious ceiling yeah, no, I, I do like it. And I, I see uh, somebody in chat had said Tony greater than Juju, greater than MVS. I think in terms of talent, I, I agree with that. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, the, the only issue that I have with Tony is they, they don't use him that much. Like, even when he does get through a game fully healthy, he doesn't play more than like uh, or run routes on more than like 30 percent of passing plays. Uh, but that doesn't I guess that doesn't really matter if they're going to target him nine times per 14 uh, routes he runs, which of, of course he's not. That's not sustainable. He's not going to be getting targeted that often when he's out there or the defense will just key in on him every time he's out there. Um, but I, I, he's you know, he when he is on the field, he's certainly dynamic. Uh, they are likelier to target him than like Juju when he's on the field. So plenty, plenty to like about uh, Kadarius Tony. It's just a matter of they don't use him that much when he's healthy and then he gets hurt in game. It feels like every other game. Um, but yeah, I think uh, Kadarius Tony definitely. I, I just I think the field's getting about like about seventeen percent Kadarius Tony in the util feels about right to me. And uh, by the way, we're going to talk about some of the punt wide receivers in a second and see if there's anybody that we could really go value diving for differentiated lineups. But first, I just want to tell you guys that we do have a sponsors here with us just for the Super Bowl, and they do have a pretty cool offer giveaway right now because Breaks of God are celebrating the Super Bowl by giving away free mini autographed helmets for Travis Kelsey. AJ Brown and Devonte Smith. And all you guys have to do to get in on this potential free giveaway is click on the link in the description box below. And from there, there's going to be directions on how to enter it. And they're going to be picking three winners selected randomly during a live box break on Instagram on Super Bowl Sunday. So if you guys want to get involved in that super easy, just go in the description box below, check out that link, head on over there. And there's going to be details on how you get entered. And it's free. It's cool memorabilia, signed Travis Kelsey, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, many helmets. And then also check them out on Instagram. Follow them at Breaks of God over on Instagram. That is Breaks, B-R-E-A-K-S of O-F, and then God, G-O-D. Let's go check them out on Instagram, guys. Chance to win free stuff, right? Why, why, why turn that down? Simple. Now let's talk right. about the punt wide receivers, Neil. Is there anybody here do you see because there's nobody we're looking at as a cheap play that's you know massively popular on this slate anybody you're looking at once you're starting to get below these main guys 
is contrarian and they don't project, you know, incredibly well. But if you had to take some chances on pass catchers, who are the ones you think make for the best targets for the single game contest tomorrow? Yeah, so I have a lot of interest in Justin Watson, uh, who I didn't even mention him when I was talking about all the receivers. Were out. Yeah, he missed the last game with an illness as well. It was just an illness, so like it's not holding him back at this point. He is healthy. Uh, he had run routes on more than 40% of passing plays in nine of the previous 10 games for the Chiefs prior to missing that last game with an illness. Obviously, they have had receivers in and out with uh, injuries, but I think that Justin Watson is just a guy that they like to have out on the field. He's also a guy, he's a big play receiver. Like he can. He's had... Uh, receptions of like 40, 50, 60 yards this year, uh, I believe, uh, at, at least 40. I'm not sure if he got up to 60, but he had some some really big plays this year. Uh, he, uh, If you had to guess, Greg, how many games do you think Justin Watson played this year and did not get targeted at all? Probably a lot of them. Zero times. Oh Zero times. Oh he was targeted God. at least one. Did you did you do that on purpose? Were you uh, were you playing my game? Uh, I, I literally, I, literally had no, I, I know I had no clue. I knew that it was going to be uh, I knew it was going to be an extreme in one direction or the other. So yeah, yeah. Here, here, here's how I thought you were going to go with it. There was one of two ways because uh, I, I don't know all of Justin Watson's stats off the top of my head. I thought he was either going to be he's been targeted in every game or it was something where it's like he alternates not getting targets in games where he has like four or five targets, like either thing, like you can make a case from being a, a viable value option. So I, I figured it was going to be one of those two things. You think, is that the kind of great analysis I give Greg? He wasn't targeted last game, so he's going to be targeted this game. Well, is that what you're expecting? No, but what I was saying is like, if he, if he played in, you know, like 16 games this year and eight of them, he had zero targets and like eight, he had four targets. Sure. Like, sure. Not, yeah. not necessarily a pattern, but it's like he, it means like there's an upside for him to cheat. That's where I think. You're yeah, yeah. I'm, not, I'm not saying you're, you're playing some uh, <laughs> yes, no uh, random patterns. game. Yeah, uh, no. Yeah. So he's been targeted at least once every single game. Uh, of course, he's maxed out at five targets in a game. It's not like he's being heavily targeted, but they usually give him at least I mean, every every game they've given him at least one opportunity. Uh, and he has had some some pretty big games uh, just in terms of like air yards he had 85 air yards in week 11 65 in week 15 67 week, like he 75 in week 18 like he just uh he has been on the field uh you know more than 40 percent of passing plays he's running routes he's getting targeted and he's getting targeted downfield so there's just a lot to like about justin watson as a big play receiver who's not expected to get a ton of ownership we do have him at nine percent ownership which honestly that uh is higher than i would have anticipated for justin watson like just as the what wide receiver like he's generally considered what the wide receiver for probably for the chiefs um and that's not including travis kelsey so i'm surprised to see him at nine percent ownership that's uh, higher than i was hoping it would be but even at nine percent i think that i'd like to be above the field on justin watson just as a you know trying to find players who are going to have real opportunities and are going to be low owned. He's, I mean, he's 2000. He's not like, not like he's the minimum price. Obviously I'd like him better at 200, but at 2000, I still think that he's live to have just one splash play where he scores 11 fantasy points on that play. Uh, so I like Justin Watson quite a bit. And then Noah Gray also very interesting. Uh, we're projecting him for 10% ownership and he had, uh, I'm going to pull up his stats because I didn't actually write him up, but I had looked at it and I thought, man, Noah Gray, more involved than I had realized. Um, I think I ended up not writing up just because he, you know, wasn't a great point per dollar play, but also isn't, he's over 10% ownership. So not really uh super low owned play, but yeah, just looking through his game log, like Noah Gray, similar to Justin Watson targeted at least once in every single game this year and targeted multiple times in several of those games. Um, I thought I actually, I thought I did write him up. I, I forget. I, I'm not finding him now in my write up, <laughs> but I do think that Noah Gray uh, is a very interesting play just as somebody who, you know, he's not getting a ton of ownership. 10%. Oh, I did write him up. Sorry. Okay. He's, he's one of my top point per dollar plays. Yes. He's been targeted at least once <laughs> in every chiefs game of the season and ran routes on more than 40% of passing plays in each of the chiefs first two playoff games. He also has like multiple uh, targets in several of those games. He's just uh as the backup to Travis Kelsey, he's a lot more involved than I would expect him to be. So at 10% ownership, definitely have some interest in Noah Gray as well. And then, of course, you know, if, if we're talking through all of the viable options, Sky Moore at 3,800 uh, would not have interest in it if he's getting any kind of ownership. But at 4.4% ownership, he's certainly a guy who uh, should be theoretically should be a big play receiver. Like he's a speedy guy should be able to score like like Justin Watson, you know, uh, double-digit fantasy points on one play. I don't think that he actually did it ever this year. I think he had one game where he had uh, double-digit fantasy points in a game. So uh, he, you know, kind of was a big letdown all year, but wouldn't be shocking to see Sky Moore have a 50-yard touchdown, um, put up just one one big play to 
the hard thing is he's 3,800. So even that one big play, if he has a 60 yard touchdown, what's that? 12 fantasy points. Uh, yeah. Sorry, a 50 uh, well, yard, no, no. 50 yard touchdown. Because you get the yeah, yeah. PPR bonus too. Yeah, yeah. No, I was, I, I meant to say 50 yard, and then I realized after, yeah, yeah. Uh, so six, it would say he gets a 60 yard touchdown. That's 13 fantasy points. Does that pay off his $3,800 price tag? It's, you know, not, not as sure a thing as if you were a little bit cheaper. Um, but I think he's capable of it, and there's a good chance that that's enough. So um, I think that he's at least interesting at 4.4% ownership. I think I'd be above the field there. It's not a not a strong confidence play. Like I think he's very alive to score like two fantasy points, but uh, he's the kind of player who could just one play. Uh, Patrick Mahomes targets him downfield. He finally catches that long bomb that he's uh, struggled with all year. So yeah, I think uh, I think Sky Moore is kind of interesting at 4.4% ownership. Do you feel differently about any of these uh, low-owned Chiefs guys? The one I like the most is like, you Noah gray. I think of all the cheap players we have in this game, the one that I feel is most likely to score a fantasy point is Noah gray, right? Cause a lot of these other guys, they're picking up some sort of ownership here. And, you know, once again, I say some sort of ownership. We're looking at like Grant Calcaterra is projected for 2% ownership. Jody Fort's projected for 2% ownership of these kind of guys. I, I think the one and Noah Gray a little bit more expensive at twelve hundred dollars on DraftKings. And by the way, wouldn't I, I wouldn't be considering these guys on FanDuel? I don't think we have to. This is more DraftKings specific because the minimum salary is so much cheaper there. Uh, but I would lean towards Noah Gray just because he is somebody who's on the field. We know he actually plays a role for this team. And then to me, if I look at some of these guys like uh, like Jody Fortson or like or like Grant Calcaterra, the way that these players land in the optimal lineup has nothing to do with their own production but rather has to do with what happens in a scenario where this game is a shootout. Patrick Holmes scores 40 fantasy points. Jalen Hurts scores, you know, 40 fantasy points. Kelsey scores two touchdowns. Well, then you get into a scenario where you need all of these guys, and then you're probably going to get somebody who could potentially be 200, land the optimal lineup, while literally scoring zero fantasy points, which is something that could happen in the Super Bowl just because we have so many good, high upside skill position players in this game. We've got two quarterbacks that score a lot of fantasy points. So I don't think I could play any of these 200 guys on their own merits. But if you're taking a chance on like Jody Fortson or, or something like that, I think it's reasonable under the standpoint of you just like the studs in this game and you like the ceiling of them. But individually, I can't make a case for any of these really cheap guys based on what I think they are going to do. The cheapest guy that I actually feel good about his production is Noah Gray. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Yeah, the, the hard thing with that is you'd 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 want them to score at least like half a fantasy point just to differentiate from all the other $200 players because you don't want to be duplicated a thousand times with every other lineup that played the same studs and then had a different 200 receiver. So, um, you, you know, you're, you're hoping for at least a little bit from those guys. But yeah, your, your point is uh, your point is correct. That it's just like that's kind of, you're not expecting a lot from your 200 guys. You're just hoping for them to differentiate from the other 200 guys. Um, we didn't talk about the uh, the Philadelphia uh, low end receivers at all. Do we want to uh, touch on that or were we, were we getting there? Yeah. If, if there's any of them that you have a strong take on, uh, you talk about it. Quez Watkins does rate out fairly well for us as a value option. I personally do prefer Noah Gray to him for slightly less ownership, but our projections are fairly high on Quez Watkins at $1,400 on DraftKings. We have him as being positively leveraged uh, over on FanDuel. It's going to be a little bit different of a scenario with Quez Watkins just because at 6,000, you know, he's just not as likely to score well relative to his salary at 6,000 compared to the $1,400 over on DraftKings. I think the thing that I have the biggest issue with him is that he's just not on the field very often and also doesn't really play a big role. So uh, Quez Watkins, I actually found it kind of surprising his over under for receptions this week is one and a half at sportsbooks. That seems super high to me for the Super Bowl. I think it's fair, very, very likely that Watkins is going to have less than two receptions uh, than, than he is to to, uh, to have multiple catches in the game. So Quez Watkins, if I had to roster a punt receiver from the Eagles, it would be him. But I do have a little bit more confidence in Noah Gray. Yeah, I have more confidence in Noah Gray also. Um, but I think, you know, Quez Watkins certainly in play. As you said, our tools like him. He's got a little bit of positive leverage there. Uh, not not expect to have a ton of ownership. I will say so. So Quez Watkins ran routes on fewer than fifty percent of passing plays in each of the uh, Eagles' first two playoff games, which is uh, different than the regular season. He ran routes on more than fifty percent of passing plays in all but two games during the regular season. So you know he's he's just uh, for some reason they've been going away from Quez in the playoffs. And from what I can tell, like I, I didn't see any indication that it had to do with blowouts. Like, as I recall, Zach Pascal was out there even early in the game was getting some runs. So it's a little bit uh, tougher than if he were continuing his role of like 
you know, 60, 70% routes run. Um, so he's kind of seemed to have taken a little bit of a backseat, but Quez Watkins still just interesting as a guy who, you know, can, he can make a splash play to pay off that salary, especially at 1400. Like uh, who, who do you like better between, I guess here, I'll ask Quez Watkins or Sky Moore. Do you have a strong preference between those two? Quez Watkins, I think they're very similar looking, but Quez Watkins is just considerably cheaper. Yeah, he's a, he's a better point per dollar, and and I you know we are confident that if he has a sixty yard touchdown, that's probably paying off his fourteen hundred dollar price tag, where it might not with Sky Moore. So I think I'm with you, except for that. I'm, I'm so is the field, so I think that's uh, he, he's certainly uh, safer, more likely to hit, but he is coming in at uh, higher ownership. So those would be kind of the comparisons for me, sort of similar ish plays with Quez getting more ownership and more likely to hit. Uh, but then I also, I did want to say Zach Pascal has been getting more run um, in the playoffs in the two games of the playoffs. He's run routes on more than 30% of passing plays in each of them and saw one target in each of the first two playoff games. So one target per game, not exactly a, a huge endorsement of Zach Pascal, but as somebody that the field isn't going to play a ton of, we've got him projected actually 7.2%. That, that's not nothing. That's uh, probably pretty reasonable. Honestly, the 7.2% ownership that Zach Pascal is getting running about 30% of routes in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I think that that's honestly probably not too far off where I want to be with, like I'm not playing 30% Zach Pascal or anything, but I think that, you know, 7.2% maybe there a little bit higher is probably where I'll be on Pascal. So we got a couple things left to talk about. This next one's going to be, you know, a little bit quicker. Just going to briefly talk about the kickers and the defenses. And then Neil and I are going to do something fun to close out the show. So typically we would go over our favorite stacks of the day, but instead, we're going to build up, we're going to pull up the lineup, uh, the lineup generator I have over at Stochastic. One of the newer tools we have, we have, we have it available for single game slates. And we could also set game scripts in it. So if we think a team's going to win via blowout, something like that, we could set a game script for that in our lineup generator and is going to build lineups for us based on that kind of game script. So we're going to make some of those to close out the show. And then also, if you guys have not signed up for a Stochastic membership yet, number one, if you just want access to the lineup generator, super cheap. You get it for less than $10. But if you're signing up for the first time, you could get 50% off the first package you sign up for. So lineup generator, if you want it for tomorrow, you could get it for way less than $10. You get it for like four bucks. But also, if you're somebody who's looking to play other DFS sports because football season is ending, sign up for a monthly pass and you get all the sports, all the projections for all for 50% off if you're signing up for the first time using the link that we have below. So if you want to get into the NBA streets, we need NBA projections, NBA ownership, but still also want football projections for tomorrow, sign up for a platinum pass using the the link that we have below because it is going to get you 50% off any package when you sign up for the first time. But kickers, defenses, do you have any strong takes here, Neil, when it comes to the kickers or defenses in this game? Yeah, I mean, so I think I generally, and I think the field is probably going to be your I think I prefer the kickers to the defenses in general. What do we have? Butker at 17% ownership. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, Jake Elliott at 20%. And then the defenses we've got at, yeah, 17% Eagles, 13% Chiefs. So I think if I had to rank them, I would put Butker number one. Uh, he is the highest projected of the group for us, and he also has the best value score of the kickers and defenses for us. So if he's going to be 17% owned, yeah, sign me up for Harrison Butker. After Butker, I'd probably go Elliott. The defense, it's tough just because neither of these quarterbacks is uh, turnover prone. Like I think uh, Jalen Hurts threw like five interceptions all year. Let me find I actually wrote this up, uh, but it was just they they are not really turnover prone. Um, yeah, neither quarterback uh, hurts through, okay, six interceptions in 15 regular season games, Mahomes through 12 and 17. So 12 and 17, I mean, it certainly both are live to throw an interception. And of course, in an interception, there's always a possibility of a pick six. So I think, you know, if the ownership were lower, I would really be interested at 17% Eagles ownership, 13% Chiefs feels about right for me. What do we have? Uh, this is our, an, another good opportunity to look at our single game tool. So yeah, we actually have the Eagles a little bit under-owned. 17% in the util, 18.6% optimal in the util, uh, 3.6 captain, 3.7% optimal. So a little bit of positive leverage on the Eagles, the Chiefs, 13.1% util ownership, 14.5% optimal, 2% captain, 2.1%. So actually we have a little bit of positive leverage on both defenses. Yeah, the, it looks like, uh, you know, the field's got it about right. Like I'm I'm not really trying to go way over the field on these defenses. Uh, if I had to play just one kicker or defense in my lineup, it'd be Harrison Bucker. I think I'm, I'm going to the kickers first. The defenses I'll have probably close to the field. How, how are you playing them? It's Bucker for me on DraftKings. FanDuel Elliott is $500 cheaper, which makes a pretty big difference. He's also lesser owned. So FanDuel, I prefer Elliott to Bucker. DraftKings, I prefer Bucker to Elliott. Uh, but overall for the slate, 
I do think they're two of the better value plays because I do think the most likely outcome here is a fairly high scoring game. And we always project kickers pretty well relative to other sites. And it's something that always rates out well in our tools, particularly our single game showdown tool in our simulations. We almost always show that saving money with kickers is better more often than not. So if you guys are in a pinch and need to save salary, play the kickers this weekend. I, I do think this is a game that should be high scoring. I think the odds of getting, you know, like seven, eight fantasy points out of a kicker, it's much higher compared to some of these other punt wide receivers who are priced around them. Like I think the floor and the, maybe not the ceiling isn't higher for like Butker and Elliott relative to Sky Moore, but all things being considered, the floor is considerably higher and you have a much higher hit rate on the kickers and somebody like Sky yep. Moore. So a much higher priority play than the the comparably priced uh, wide receivers or running backs. Yep, I, I I was actually going to make that exact same comparison to Sky Moore. Like, yeah, definitely the the floor is much higher for the kickers, or or the likelihood of hitting a higher floor, I guess, is a lot higher for the kickers, and the ceiling is maybe higher. I mean, it's pretty comparable. Like, right, like Sky Moore is probably not going to have two sixty yard touchdown receptions. I guess it's possible. Yeah. So maybe the the ceiling is higher, but I'd say the kickers are more likely to hit a ceiling than Sky Moore as well. So yeah, it's a it's a great comparison. All right, so here's how we're going to finish this because I want to show you guys how the lineup generator works that we have at Stochastic because some of the tools we have, uh, this has recently been an upgrade that we made heading into the playoffs because we did think it was going to be something that would ultimately be really valuable for everybody once we got to the Super Bowl. And this is now going to be something that's just a staple of the tools we have over at Stochastic.com. Mike, pull up the lineup generator and let's just show people the different ways. We'll do this for DraftKings and for FanDuel. And we, we could set different kind of game settings for the two different sites, but start, click on DraftKings, tournament. We're going to have cash games eventually right now, tournament. So, and I've got different options. You can make chalky lineups, balanced, contrarian. Yeah, I know you like yourself some contrarian lineups. You, you want to sure use do. the contrarian setting? Let's do that. All right, so we'll go to contrarian. So this is going to make more contrarian lineups. Now, this is where it gets pretty cool with the new stuff we have. And I've seen people in the chat saying, I think the Eagles might win via blood. I think the Chiefs might, or people say that they will build their showdown lineups around a game script. Well, we could do that now. Because if you see right here, what we could do is you could do it based on the, the Philly plus six, Chiefs plus six. So basically what we're looking at in that projection is you say like, what if it's a, a competitive shootout where both teams just go, you know, higher, higher scoring than what would otherwise be projected. So there's that. But then if you scroll down too, you'll see something like Philly plus six, Chiefs minus six. So that kind of scenario, you're basically building lineups around a Philadelphia Eagles blowout. And I know that Mike isn't on Mike, right? Mike isn't on Mike, but I have a feeling that he's going to want to say, what happens if the Eagles win via blowout? So use that setting, the one Eagles up six. Not how I would have played it, Greg. I would have forced Mike to click that button. (laughs) Chiefs up six, Eagles down six. It will be nice to him here. So we're going to make some contrarian lineups here that are going to be built around the idea that this game could potentially be a, a blowout in the Eagles' favor. And then once these lineups spit out, we'll look at some of them and just see, like, all right, what what ends up happening here in terms of what some of the exposures are. So also, if you scroll down, Mike, you guys will see that we have an option to discard or save lineups. You can make up to 20 of them saved. And then at the end, you just have a whole portfolio of lineups, and it'll show you all of the uh, ownership you have there. So... If you wouldn't mind, Mike, just really quickly save a handful of them. And you can also swap out some of the players here. So, yeah, save a bunch. And then uh, when we're done, we're going to get the final screen here. This is the final player exposure. So this is basically here what we're looking at is in a game script where the Eagles beat the Chiefs via blowout. These are the lineups that have been generated for us. It's based on our simulations. These are all lineups that we do expect over time to finish towards the top of tournaments. And you see some of the players it spits out. Jalen Hurts is the most popular captain. Totally makes sense. If the Eagles win via blowout, stands to reason that Jalen Hurts is going to have a pretty big game. And then you also see the players in that lineup very much skewed towards the Philadelphia Eagles and a lot of those Eagles pass catchers. Because if the Eagles are winning via blowout, if Jalen Hurts is in the captain spot, it makes sense that we're just going to see more of those Eagles popping up as pass catchers there. So you're seeing that the two most popular utility players are A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith. I don't know if you could see this on screen right here now, Neil, but does anything about these lineups uh, surprise you about what our lineup generator spit out? No, not really. Just just looking at the the top, I mean, the, the top three that I can see right now are all Jalen Hurts uh, captain lineups. They all have Eagles pass catchers in the flex. The first one was kind of interesting. We got Hurts with just A.J. Brown, and then it, I believe it's four Chiefs, right? That one, it's, yeah, Hurts with A.J. Brown, and then four Chiefs pass catchers, which is 
So that's it surprised me a little bit to have the four Chiefs pass catchers in an Eagles onslaught. But I guess this is assuming that Jalen Hurts does a good amount of damage with his legs, uh, and and then you know maybe throws a touchdown or two to AJ Brown, but not enough that AJ Brown outscores him. Um, yeah, so definitely an interesting lineup there. But you know it's. I, I said in my, my fantasy printer video, I'm not requiring actually any pass catchers when I've got uh, Jalen Hurts in the captain spot. I do prefer him to be with at least one. So I think that that lineup looks good to me, um, but pretty interesting to see. You know, I guess that's a game script where uh, the Chiefs are, you know, Mahomes maybe spreading the ball around, but they're not really getting in the end zone. That could work out. So, yeah, it's interesting. So I would think of something like that as being like, all right, Jalen Hurts is a big game. His Maybe there was two touchdown passes. They both go to A.J. Brown. Maybe Jalen Hurts also runs for another touchdown. And then, like you said, you just get the PPR points where the Chiefs are, let's say the Chiefs were to be down like 20 points or something like that in the fourth quarter. And then all of a sudden you've got, you know, Kelsey, Tony, Watson, these kind of guys all of a sudden have games where it's like seven catches for 70 yards and a lot of PPR points there. And then something else, as Mike has highlighted on the screen, right from here, you could export it to a CSV and upload it right into DraftKings and enter lineup. So uh, there we have that for a setting we could use for DraftKings. It is available for FanDuel as well. So Let's build out some lineups for FanDuel using the lineup generator. And this will close out our final football show of the year, Neil. So, all right, Mike, if you wouldn't mind going back, let's make lineups in the lineup builder, but we'll do it for FanDuel now. So we'll do it for FanDuel and we'll make more of, we'll do uh, contrarian lineups again. But this time, let's do it with just it being a high scoring game. So we'll do it uh, Eagles and Chiefs both plus six. Right, so we're going to be looking at a competitive shootout and just do the same thing. Save a bunch of lineups. I'll be curious to see who pops up. What I'm really interested to see in this build, Neil, is when we have everybody getting a boost in ownership, I want to see how that impacts the upper end guys because I have a feeling it's going to lead to a lot of stars and scrubs lineups. Yeah, that would make sense. Which it did because the two most rostered players were Hertz and Mahomes, which would make sense. If these are the two players that are projected for the most fantasy points on FanDuel, and we're giving them a 6% increase in scoring, you know, it would, it would make sense that then these are players who just end up being, you know, super highly projected. And then well, kind of, we were still able to get to a lot of Dallas Goddard, still able to get to AJ Brown, but who are some of the value plays we got to in this build now? Yeah. Quez Watkins, Justin Watson, I see down there. Yeah. Which is, is a necessity, right? At this point, yeah. if you're playing a lot of the quarterbacks in a shootout, then yeah, this is where you're going to have to save salary. So yeah, Tony, MVS, Quez Watkins. So these these guys end up being like 20% of lineup. Totally makes sense to me. I understand why that would be the case. Oh, and Zach Pascal and No Gray. Oh, yeah, we're getting all of our yeah. value guys. That's interesting. Which, once again, you just kind of have to in this scenario. So yeah. if you guys want to check out this lineup generator, like I said, you can sign up for it. It's less than $10. We have it for NBA now as well. There's constantly going to be new upgrades made for it. And this is a, a new thing that we're introducing, new sorts of data, new sorts of tools over at stochastic.com. When you sign up for any of our packages, use the link below. It's going to get you 50% off the package when you're signing up for the first time. Other than that, that's going to do it for us. Final, final show of the year. It's been the Super Bowl. I even went a few minutes long because I wanted to talk more about the lineup generator. Neil, do you have any closing thoughts on the game? Uh yeah, I, I think it'll be a fun one. Uh, I don't really have any strong thought. I, I will say XFL coming next week. So, you know, once we get our fill of this the Super Bowl over, we don't, uh, we're not leaving football behind. We do have XFL. Of course, I'm going to miss the first week because I'm coming back for Puerto Rico on Saturday, sadly. Um, but yes, uh, two full years now, Greg, you and I have been doing this show. It's been, uh, it's been a pleasure. And uh, yeah, I see Neil's already right. That's an XFL hat, if I'm not that's, mistaken. That's right. Look at you. You're like, you're like the Rob Lowe of XFL. You just got the XFL <laughs> exactly. hat with no, with no I just support the league. So that is going to do it for us. Guys, thank you very much for watching and supporting Neil and I. Show this was a lot of fun to do for the entire season, and it is certainly going to be back next year. So if you have not done it, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Good luck. Enjoy the Super Bowl. We'll be back next year. Bye, birds.